Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today on AOA, Agriculture of America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Today's program brought to you by our friends at Cenex, Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that you can count on that will keep your operation in top shape. Things like Roadmaster XL, Ruby Fieldmaster, so many more. Check it all out online, Cenex.com. You can find your nearest location there as well. Coming up in just a second, we're going to talk markets with Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. In segment two, we're going to get an update on weather here in the U.S. and maybe some concerns building in South America. John Baranek with DTN will join us coming up here to discuss. In segment three today, we'll have a conversation with the CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board, the Beef Checkoff, Greg Haynes. And then to wrap up the show, we'll have a conversation with Illinois farmer Brian Prest, learn how harvest has been going in his neck of the woods there in Randolph County in southwest Illinois and also learn more about his use of tribal from bears so that's coming up here at the end of the program today well as I mentioned first off uh, let's kick things off with Darren Newsom senior market analyst at bar chart joining us here for uh, market analysis and Darren great to have you on the show here this week and once again and it's my favorite week of, you know, I've, I've been having these quote unquote favorite weeks for a while. It's Fed week on Wall Street. <laughs> it is. And, you know, that's going to that's going to dominate the conversation. You know, all of the guesses is, you know, is the FOMC, is the Fed going to make, you know, another 25 basis point you know, uh, hike? Is it going to stay unchanged one more month? If so, you know, what does that mean for December? Because if we go back to this past June, Chairman Powell said, don't be surprised. I mean, be expecting at least two more interest rate hikes. And we saw one in July. We didn't get one in August. We didn't get one in September. And so now here we are at the end of October, early November uh, meeting. And, you know, the only one after this in 2023 is the December meeting. So, you know, if, if, if you know, then Chairman Powell has been very straightforward. And so, you know, if the plan was back in June for at least two rate hikes, it makes sense that something happens here this week that we get another 25 basis point move. Maybe the financial, maybe maybe the economic situation has changed to the point where the overall tone of the Fed has has you know has been changed as well. I haven't heard any discussion about that. It had the, the, the conversation you know coming from Fed members themselves really hasn't been that you know the long term plans or the short term plans have changed. So you know we'll certainly see. But again, the spotlight's going to be on the meeting uh, you know, tomorrow and Wednesday with the announcement coming Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens. I don't mm-hmm. know that it's going to be a huge deal. There'll be a knee-jerk reaction like there is with every report, uh, but it doesn't really change the overall picture that much. Well, and you throw with uh, Fed Week on Wall Street, we obviously still have the Middle East issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of that relatively still contained to Gaza, although there is concern of a wider escalation there. Mm-hmm. You have the United Auto Workers reaching some tentative agreements, uh, mm-hmm. Ford, Stellantis. Now they're going to work with General Motors. So some of those other peripheral things that could impact the market, I think those are things that Wall Street continues to watch this week as well. They are. And, and you know, so all of this is coming together. You know, I thought it was a big... I thought the I thought the announcement uh, from UAW was was a was important this past weekend, and obviously we're seeing a little bit of buying in the stock markets. But then Thursday, you know, we also get Apple's quarterly earnings coming out, 
Now, what is why is that a big deal? A year or so ago, I wrote about how you know I asked the question uh, on bar chart: Is Apple the new global currency? So we're going to. I'm, I'm certainly going to be paying attention to that, but also. You know, it goes along with this this idea that the U.S. consumer, global consumers, continue to spend money. If if Apple's earnings come in stronger than expected, or at least as strong as expected, it tells us, you know, there's no concern. People are still buying these high-priced iPhones, and we see it every week. Folks are going to they're going to concerts, they're going to games, they're going to all of these things. And where is the fear? Where is the economic fear that we continue to hear about? If consumers Consumer purchasing, consumer spending remains as strong as it is. If the labor market remains as strong as it is, now we get other headlines like UAW and some of these other things. You know, it, it just, it's an interesting economic picture right now. And I think we can kind of pinpoint Apple as kind of being at the epicenter of this. Well, Darren, we have those things going on. And let's turn our attention to the grain markets. And yeah, I know a lot of this impacting the grains, but there's some other things to watch here as well. Uh, corn, beans, wheat, relatively mixed to start off the yeah. week. Soybeans flirting with $13 again in the November contract. Corn chopping around $480 in the D's contract. But then overnight, Kansas City wheat made new two year lows. And then mm. we've seen a bit of a rally early on Monday. So, Make it make sense. What's going on in the grain trade to start the week, Darren? <laughs> Number one, nothing's going on in corn. I mean, that's just flatlining, regardless of what aspect of the market we want to look at, futures, future spreads basis. So corn's just asleep. In soybeans, we saw an initial rally overnight uh, in the January contract with November going into you know first notice day tomorrow. Uh, so we watching the January contract, had a nice rally, certainly indicating there was some commercial activity, some, some export sales being done again underneath the 100,000 metric ton reporting level, but being done nonetheless. The real question mark is what's going on in the wheat sector, because you're right. All three markets posted sharp losses overnight through the intermission Monday morning. And then initially, again, right on the open, all of them, you know, they, they rallied again, made no sense whatsoever, but it's wheat, so it doesn't have to make sense. Um, now we'll see how they finish the rest of the day. Would not surprise me to see the markets continue to, to come back under pressure. Bottom line is, Fundamentals in the in the largest soft red winter market, at least from a from a futures point of view, are incredibly bearish. Those haven't changed, aren't going to change anytime soon. Certainly a, a picture of the of the global situation as a whole. It's bearish. It's not going to change. Well, and I look over at livestock too, maybe taking a little advantage of some weakness in the grains, but overall, I know cattle and hogs have other fundamentals that we need to watch, some triple-digit strength early in the week in cattle and in hogs. Darren, what's your take in the protein sector? Yeah, the first thing that jumps out at me is that we've got some fund buying coming back into the live cattle market. We're not seeing the commercials. Commercials are staying on the sidelines. Not unusual for a Monday morning. Uh, we also, similar situation in the, in the feeder cattle, kind of mixed spreads over there. One could make the argument that we've got some commercial buying coming in. If it is, it's very light. Hogs are just being hogs right now. Yeah, we've got the we've got the Ds up a buck twenty at least. You know, it was up about a buck twenty or so. So a nice solid rally to start the week. Could they be down a buck twenty by the time we finish this conversation? Absolutely, it's hogs. Uh, but I do, you know, it is interesting to note coming out of the weekend, not a lot of commercial activity, but mostly coming from the fun side in all three markets. 
Darren, before we wrap it up here today, any final thoughts you would share or reiterate to folks or, or anything else uh, you would want uh, farmers and ranchers to keep in mind when they look at their marketing plan this week? Yeah, you know, this week, and, and you touched on it again, you know, John Brannick's coming on, you know, it, it's going to all be about South American weather. That's that's going to start taking center stage. It's it's going to start getting pretty quiet here in the U.S. as far as news. And it's also the outside markets. We have to keep a close eye on what's going on out there. There's so many global events happening all at the same time right now, and it's going to be moving the outside market, and there's going to be ripple effects on the ag sector as well. Great thoughts and things to consider. We do appreciate the time, as always. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Barchard. Thanks for joining us on AOA again this week, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for having me on again, Jesse. All right, coming up next, Darren mentioned it there. We're going to talk with DTN meteorologist John Baranek and get his thoughts on the weather situation here at home and in South America. That's all coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Back with more right after this. Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. Are you curious about biologicals for stronger crop health? You're not alone. At Terramax, they've seen more farmers just like you choosing to apply biologicals with increasing success. For more than 25 years, they've been harnessing the power of microbial inoculants to strengthen roots, improve soil health, and boost yields acre after acre. If you're ready to get a biological boost, turn to the experts at Terramax. Visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more about what microbial technology can do for your farm non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Kids across America are going to school hungry. Millions of kids every day. Hungry kids get sick more often and can struggle in school. It can be harder for them to focus and learn. But one simple thing can help change all of this for a hungry child in America. Good healthy food and the energy it brings. With help from caring people across America, No Kid Hungry is providing healthy meals and hope to hungry kids so they can build better futures. 
We want to ensure that all of our kids have healthy meals every day. Thank you. Thank you for helping feed our kids. To learn more about ending child hunger in America, go to helpnokidhungry.org today. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex. Your local Cenex is just around the corner. Everyday products, including premium diesel and lubricants, everything powered locally by Cenex. You can learn more, find your nearest location online at Cenex.com. Well, joining us now as we talk weather, DTN meteorologist John Baranek is back with us here this week. John, hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us on the show today. I did, but it was chilly. You know, we saw some uh, pretty cold temperatures move into the country here behind a really, really strong cold front. Um, and uh, it continues to push its way through the country here early this week. And, you know, if you look at the National Weather Service page, it's just blue. And that's just because there's just so much widespread frost and freezes that are happening here this week. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get that all the way down through most of Texas and, and even the Gulf Coast could see temperatures near freezing uh, here this week. So uh, it's it's a really strong punch, a really early punch to, to winter here coming through. I was going to say, you look at the radar, you can clearly see where that cold front is just with the, the shower activity extending all the way from the northeast all the way back down to Texas. And I mean, it's it seems pretty defined as far as cold fronts go. And then you look at temperatures behind it, as you alluded to, cold temperatures, a lot of uh, first frosts and freezes for parts of the country here in uh, the next couple of days ahead. And, you know, we think about just looking back here the last week or so, a lot of heavy snowfall we saw in parts of the Northern Plains and the Rockies, a lot of heavy rainfall in some areas. So, I mean, just thinking about all of that, John, I know should help out some soil moisture levels in some areas, but definitely brought that early shot of winter to some folks here the last couple of days. Yeah, and there are going to be some folks that are really lamenting what happened last week just because, you know, you know, there, there's still areas out there in the, in the country that need to do some field work yet. And, you know, there's some, there's some crop left out in the field. Uh, some folks need to do some plowing or, or getting some fertilizer out there. And it's, you know either how wet it was or how cold and snowy it was. I mean, it's, it's just kind of slowing things down here to end the season, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a fact of life when you get towards the end of October and you get in November, this sort of thing typically happens anyway, at some point, uh, sometimes we luck out and it stays nice and warm and everything goes nice to plan, but you know, other, other, other years like this year mother nature just throws a wrench into the end of the season. Definitely. And I know a few folks who still need to get some corn out as well. So some of that remaining harvest has got to happen here. We'll get an updated crop progress report uh, this week as well. We'll see how things are rolling along. Weather here in the U.S., John, is pretty much it is what it is right now. It doesn't necessarily have huge impacts on the markets and things. To your point there, just some of this field work that's got to get done south america weather though really this is the time of year where things start to come into focus more and i want to turn our attention there darren newsom alluded to it in segment one there are some things that we really got to watch right now in south america and i think some concerns starting to ramp up here fairly quickly between heavy rain in some parts of brazil to heat and dryness and 
other parts of Brazil, parts of Argentina. There's a there's a lot going on that we really need to keep an eye on here right now, John. Yeah, and Darren was totally right. I mean, if 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 weather's going to drive markets, it's going to be in South America right now. Um, and uh, what's going on is kind of dramatic in terms of the typical weather pattern we see for El Nino. Um, and we've been in El Nino conditions for a long time now. We've been talking about it uh, seemingly for months. Um, but uh, in South America, it's it's really come to, together there for them um, a little bit more extreme and earlier than it has for us here in North America. And, and what that's that's really done is, is over southern Brazil has been extremely wet. We've set all sorts of, of October monthly records for rainfall and in parts of uh, in, in, in the two states, really, in, in southern Brazil that we care about, uh, Paraná and Rio Grande do Sul. It's just been it's just been overly wet. You know, uh, I've seen some, you know, folks on Twitter talking about how this is the wettest month they've even seen in, mm-hmm. in uh, you know, they're they're wet seasons typically from October through March. And, you know, uh, usually December or January would be their their heaviest uh, rainfall months. But, you know, have it in October. It's been kind of kind of wild. Um, but so, I mean, it, it's really slogged things down there um, in terms of trying to get wheat out, trying to get corn in and soybeans in and planted. Um, you know, even if they were able to get it in, they're worried about how flooding might damage some of that and poor stands and diseases and pests and all of this, the other good stuff that goes along with with uh, rainfall down there. That's I, I think my biggest concern right now is all that heavy rain that's been happening in southern Brazil. When we look at some of the, the heat and dryness issues for kind of central Brazil, which have really cropped up, and, and uh, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter, uh, at least, or X now, uh, talking about, um, you know, kind of the, the impact that that might be having. I mean, it's real early mm-hmm. in the season to have huge issues with dryness or, or, or heat have a huge impact right now. Um, and if you look at, um, you know, precipitation compared to normal, we're, we're way behind in, in central Brazil. But you, you got to keep things in perspective with central Brazil. I mean, kind of how things go there is they get rain basically every day. I mean, normally rain every day or a few times a day. And it adds up to about six to 12 inches of rain per month during the wet season. So if you're a little bit behind, it's not too bad. But there have been some really, really dry spots out there. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody's you know, seen the rain uh, even half as much as normal in, in some of these spots. So, um, you know, they've been behind and, you know, when they don't get the rain, um, they're so close to the tropics, it gets real hot there. So, um, we, we've seen issues in, especially the state of Mato Grosso. And I think that's where people are looking, um, most with their, with their biggest concerns right now is, is what's going on in Mato Grosso with, with the lack of rainfall and the heat, uh, some of the, some records that have been, um, occurring there. But again, we're early in the season. They've still got about 30% of their crop yet to plant. So we're way early in the season to talk about heat stress and and, and moisture damage. And, and this week is going to be much better for them. Um, precipitation that has been really heavy over the south kind of spreads its way northward a bit. And uh, we should see some better coverage and amounts across most of central Brazil. Um, that state uh, of Mato Grosso, I think is still a little bit on the concerning side. Um, if, if anything is, is shown in models, that state in particular has kind of the lowest coverage and amounts that we're expecting here this week. But mm-hmm. even, even so we're still expecting over, over an inch and, and most likely a lot of areas there are going to get over two inches, just depending on where those thunderstorms kind of develop. So overall, this is a, a much better week for central Brazil. 
And then if you're going down to the Argentina, that's been a very dry uh, area as well. We've had plenty of fronts moving through Argentina, but they've been dry until they get into Southern Brazil and have been flooding out Southern Brazil. Um, so, but uh, last week we saw some pretty decent precipitation across a lot of their growing areas, and that should help spark some more of their uh, corn planting. Uh, they'll start planting mm -hmm. soybeans here this week as well. And, um, you know, this week looks pretty good, at least through Thursday of getting some decent rainfall in there as well. So, I mean, overall, South America this week looks pretty darn wet. Um, for most yeah. of the continent, that's a good thing. But for southern Brazil, those two states of, of Parna and Rio Grande do Sul, it's not a good thing. So uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on that and see how much uh, additional damage might occur in those two states. But, you know, if you look at the rest of the continent, this week's going to be a pretty good one for them. We'll watch it very closely and just keep our eyes on things. Your point, it is early, but if problems persist, that could start to have some major impacts. John, before we run out of time and, and let you go here today, anything else you're watching around the world that we need to keep our eyes on? Any activity still in the Caribbean maybe here as we're getting uh, wrapped up with uh, tropical storm hurricane season or, or anything else you're keeping your eyes on here this week? Yeah, there's a couple of features out there if you look at the tropics that um, might turn into something small, but a lot of this looks like uh, it'll stay off into the Atlantic or in the Caribbean and head west into the Pacific Ocean. So I'm not really concerned about the tropics at this point. All that cold air that's really building into the country is kind of pushing the jet stream farther south, and uh, that should steer those tropics away. But I mean, if you look kind of globally, we have a, you know some some issues with with wheat in, in particular. We've had some um, you know, we're still uh, waiting on on uh, wheat to go dormant across Europe and, and the Black Sea. And for the for the most part, we've had some dry conditions in Europe until last week. And then all of a sudden the, the floodgates kind of opened up. We've had some heavy rain there in, in parts of France and Germany, which may cause some issues there. Um, the, the Black Sea region, which continues to be in war, is also um, dealing with dryness in, in parts of their uh, region as well. And even though it's been pretty mm -hmm. active across Europe, it hasn't been as active across the Black Sea. So we may have some issues with some dryness there. And, you know, we, we've, we've talked a little bit about Australia and how dry uh, it has been for them. You know, they started off real nice because they were in La Nina at the start of their planting season. Uh, but now that uh, they're starting to wrap up the season, they, they ended on a really, really dry stretch. And, and uh, things went way south for them there in Australia, as is typical for El Nino. So it's not like it wasn't expected, but uh, it was unfortunate for those folks there. Yeah. Um, they continue to see, see issues with dryness, and that, that'll bleed into their summer season here coming up uh, when they're planting cotton and sorghum. So um, El Nino is going to be kind of a, a big player here for, for quite some time here. Definitely. And a lot of things to watch closely. We appreciate the time and the knowledge. DTN meteorologist John Baranek. Thanks for being with us on AOA today. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on, Jesse. All right, coming up next, we'll talk with the CEO of the Cattleman's Beef Board, Greg Haynes, here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. We'll be back with more on the way right after this. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that 
that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Granton, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grain and soy markets are weaker, save for the soybean oil, to start the new week here. Kansas City wheat once again seems to be everyone's short leg with no demand and beneficial hard red winter rains last week. Soybean meal, after scoring new contract highs on Friday, is retreating on likely profit-taking. Soybean planting in Brazil has reached 43% complete. That's as of Friday. That's down 7 points from the previous year and roughly 10 points behind typical levels for late October. Planting progress is more advanced in Mato Grosso at 74%, but that is still down 9 points from last year's pace. The planting delays are largely due to soils being too dry to support germination and emergence. Scattered showers continue in some areas, allowing the spotty planting progress. That's amid isolated reports of replanting needed due to those dry soils. Concerns are starting to rise in Brazil with low water levels on the Amazon River system, also rerouting soybeans to ports to the southeast of Mato Grosso. That's raising the cost of shipments as well. That's starting to support U.S. soybean sales, providing support for the oil seeds futures trade. Additional support is coming from strong soy meal demand, although we're reaching levels where prices start to make dry distillers' grains and solubles more attractive for domestic livestock producers. Meanwhile, Kansas City wheat made new two-year lows overnight as Black Sea wheat continues to undercut world prices, with corn caught between wheat and beans. Fed fund futures are also giving a 0% chance of a hike in the Federal Reserve's benchmark interest rate when they meet on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, although the odds of a rate hike in December remain at 24%, with the odds of a hike in January at nearly 1 in 3. But until then, the risks of higher rates remain, especially for the long end of the yield curve. The VIX is trading near 21 this morning, while the dollar pulls back and crude oil prices are about 2% lower. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments. And ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at V.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. 
And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. Thanks for sticking with us here past the bottom of the hour. Jesse Allen back with you at studio. Today's program powered by Sedex Premium Diesel. With Sedex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Everyday products powered locally by Senex. And if you check out Senex.com, you can find a list of locations, a list of all of their different products, including gasoline for on the road and uh, Ruby Fieldmaster premium diesel. Uh, so many different things that you could find details about. Uh, just go to Senex.com and find all of that latest information. All right, well, joining us now here on AOA, happy to have him back on the program with us as we have a conversation about the uh, checkoff and attacks against the checkoffs. Greg Haynes, CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board, is with us. Greg, thanks for joining the show. I hope you're doing well. Hey, Jesse, yep, everything is going well here, and uh, hope all is well with you as well. Everything is fantastic, and uh, appreciate the time. Approximately $38 million to be invested in the 2024 Beef Checkoff programs. Let's start there. Uh, exciting stuff and uh, a nice big number there being invested into uh, Beef Checkoff programs, which I know are uh, very important for this uh, cattle industry. So just talk about that a little bit to start, Greg. The last month we had what we have uh, what we call is the beef operating committee meeting. So that's a group of 20 producers who get together uh, and they review all the funding proposals that we have for checkoff dollars going into our next fiscal year. So fiscal year 24 just started uh, this month on October 1st. So the meeting was a couple weeks before that in the middle of September. They had about almost $38 million of available funding, but the requests that came in were actually about $11 million more than that. So this group really had to go through and look at those programs and identify what they see as being the, you know, the most impactful, what's going to give us the biggest bang for the buck and help create that demand, enhance that demand and move more beef here and uh, internationally. So they did that. They came up with um, you know, the programs they funded from eight different contractors, and those programs are actually starting already right now. Well, and thinking about some of those programs and more, I, I thought it was important for us to talk and, and highlight some of this work that the checkoff does, because obviously, Greg, we've seen attacks on the whole checkoff system, not just the beef or soy or whatever the case may be, but just a, attacks as a whole on the checkoff system, system saying that it, it doesn't drive demand and it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that. Well, to me, it sounds like it's doing quite a bit, Greg. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Definitely, Jesse. You, know, you look at the different programs that we're doing, there's a whole bunch of categories. So we're doing promotion. You know, this is, you know, campaigns on radio, social media, TV, things like that. We're doing research. So there's research on beef safety, both pre and post harvest. You're looking at the nutrition, sustainability. You know, they're looking at the safety related to like salmonella, salmonella, things like that. And then even just consumer perceptions of the product. How do we adjust the message? and everything um, other you know other areas are industry information consumer information making sure that those um, influencers and the consumers have the info that they need to be able to move forward uh, per and purchase beef make beef you know their choice of uh, proteins out there you also have foreign marketing we had over eight million dollars going into that which is key you know trying to to move our product and compete with other beef products there in the global market so the impacts that these programs have are very, very significant. And 
you know, I hear these stories too about, well, you know, we've got the checkoff and, you know, demand's not going down or it's not going up. You know, they say it's going down. And what they look at is they're just talking about per capita consumption. But what they don't realize is per capita consumption is completely different from demand. Per capita consumption is basically, you know, you look at what the supply of beef is, you look at what our production is, you know, how much we had left from last year. Do we have any imports? Take away our exports and whatever's left, you divide that by the population and you have per capita consumption. Mm -hmm. But that's not demand. So basically, when you're looking at demand, you know, you're looking at what consumers will pay for a product. So if you put a bunch of steaks out there a dollar at a dollar a pound, a lot of consumers are going to be like, yeah, I'll buy that. If you put steaks out there at $25 a pound, that demand will go down. But what we're seeing now is that even with higher prices like that, consumers are continuing to buy beef. So you've got cheaper proteins in in uh, pork, in poultry, but still that demand for beef is higher. And so that's what's driving that demand. Consumers are maybe shifting a little because of higher prices, but that demand is staying strong. And if you look at that kind of per capita consumption, you know, the reason that's lower is we're making less beef. We have drought, so Mm -hmm. we're not making as much beef. So there's not as much beef for consumers to consume. So, yeah, per consumption, uh, per capita consumption is down, but that's not because consumers don't want it. It's because we don't have it. And that's a great point. And I know we're at a point now where we're going to have to start rebuilding our cattle herds. And so we, uh, you know, assume that eventually we're going to get that beef back online here as we rebuild our herds. And part of this equation, too, is obviously the export front. And I want to talk about that a little bit and how some of those checkoff dollars could be at work when in terms of exports. I know you uh, spent some time along with uh, Cattlemen's Beef Board Chair Jimmy Taylor, I believe, uh, in Southeast Asia here recently. So talk about your experience there and, and seeing some of those checkoff dollars at work overseas. Yeah, I think the the international markets are really key. You know, if you look at at where the population is, you've got 96% of the population outside of the U.S. Their economies are growing faster uh, than the U.S. Their populations are growing faster. So their demand for high-quality proteins like U.S. beef continue to, to increase. So we were lucky enough to travel with a team there through the U.S. Meat Export Federation that had um, leaders from the beef industry, pork, Uh, soy and corn, all there kind of looking at how these programs um, reach the consumers and the trade buyers there. So it's pretty neat. We were in uh, South Korea and Japan and were able to really uh, participate in a lot of different activities there. We went to promotions that were occurring in grocery stores and like handing out samples to families and just seeing them like tasting that American beef and like, oh, this is great, you know, and then Mm -hmm. loading up their carts with it. We had uh, some interesting meetings in Japan, a dinner, a barbecuing dinner with about 40 uh, high-level social media influencers that have huge followings. And so we barbecued with them and talked about how beef's produced, you know, showed them pictures of the ranches. I had met with like probably two or 300 different um, like buyers from food service, retail, and importers. And again, just showing them the quality and the care that goes into U.S. beef. So I thought it was, you know, pretty, pretty impressive to see all that's going on. And, you know, like the domestic um, 
supplies here. We have less, so we can't quite export as much as we have in the past because we have have less. But that demand, again, for the product has been has been extremely strong in those international markets. Greg, before we uh, run out of time and, and let you go here today, uh, final thoughts. Anything else uh, going on with the uh, beef checkoff as we're working through the fourth quarter here, getting ready for 2024? Uh, I know you guys have a lot of different campaigns out there, of course, you know, driving demand for beef, uh, the beef it's what's for dinner campaigns and more. You guys do a lot of great work there. So anything you'd want to else you want to highlight there or talk about before we run out of time today? Yeah, and I just think, you know, that these checkout programs are so essential for what we're doing. This is really the beef industry's only tool to enhance our quality, you know, enhance our visibility to consumers. You've got uh, other promotions going on for pork or poultry or, uh, you know, the plant-based meats and things like that. And the checkoff is really what sets us apart. That helps us to develop higher quality products to ensure our product is, you know, the safest product to reach out to consumers and show them here's why beef is so nutritious. Here's why it's so safe. Here's why it's so delicious. You know, you, you need to be purchasing this. And again, the impact that we've seen just with that demand um, continues to, to increase. You know, demand is not something you build overnight. It's something you've got to continually build on and chip away at and enhance. And now when we're seeing, you know, uh, supplies low and prices high, seeing that demand, this is the real testament that the uh, the checkoff is working. And so going through this year, that's going to continue again with uh, promotions throughout the holiday season. It's going to be educating buyers on you know how they can merchandise and display it. It's going to be working in the international market. So I think it's just a super important pro- uh, program that we have that if we didn't, we're going to be losing market share to all those other competitors out there. And so I just want to thank all the producers for you know contributing uh, their dollars are going into this program so we're making sure that they're used efficiently and effectively to get the biggest bang for their buck and uh, you know the product that they're making is such great product it makes our job that much easier well fantastic thoughts we do appreciate the time i know folks can learn more online driving demand for beef.com driving demand for beef.com is a great place to start you can sign up for the drive their uh, industry newsletter and more in your email a lot of great things to check out driving demand for beef.com with that greg haynes ceo of the cattleman's beef board beef checkoff greg thanks for joining us here on aoa today we'll look forward to talking to you again soon Yep. Thank you, Jesse. Really appreciate it. And once again, great thoughts as always. Greg Haynes, CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. And you can learn more. Just go to drivingdemandforbeef.com or you can go to beefboard.org and learn more about uh, everything that the Beef Checkoff is doing, some of their various programs with promotion and research and forward marketing and so much more. Again, just find all that info at drivingdemandforbeef.com. You can also go directly to beefboard.org for more information all right coming up next we're going to get a a bit of a harvest update from southern illinois and we're going to learn more about tribal we're going to talk with illinois farmer brian prest he will join us coming up here after the break as we'll be back with more aoa brought to you by cenex maxtron synthetic diesel engine oil oil that runs smart learn more at cenex.com we'll be back with more on aoa right after this We are the nation's largest integrated healthcare system. 
providing life-changing care to over 9 million veterans. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand-in-hand to provide full patient-centered care. Working in state-of-the-art facilities with influential leaders in healthcare, all with a single goal in mind, to help veterans heal, recover, and get their lives back in a place where everyone plays a part and where your efforts are truly appreciated. A place so innovative and forward-thinking that we're rebuilding hands and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. Times of transition, whether from a sad event or a joyful one, can leave us feeling adrift. Social connections are an important part of a healthy life. Being isolated and lonely can be harmful to your health. It can lead to high blood pressure, a greater risk of heart disease, and early onset dementia. So it's important to build and maintain connections to people, not just in your family, but others whose relationships bring meaning to your life. Trying a new hobby, volunteering, exercising, even using your phone or other device to stay in touch with others. All these can be great ways to keep up your social connections and your physical and mental well-being. Visit connecttoeffect.org to see if you're at risk of social isolation and find ways to get connected. Presented by AARP Foundation with support from United Healthcare. Turning to biologicals for improved plant nutrition and nitrogen fixing may feel novel to a lot of farmers, but it's a proven method for decades. Nobody knows this better than Terramax, a leading innovator of biological inoculants for more than 25 years. Their strong roots in microbial technology means they know what it takes to deliver stronger roots for crops acre after acre. When you decide to boost your yield with biologicals, turn to Terramax. Then visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Do you know how much one stock of wheat is worth? Well, you're about to find out. Wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry, one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel. There are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel, about 50 kernels per stock, which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel. That means that if a bushel is worth $8, then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents. So you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1. Now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour. A bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. And in the United States, one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat. So if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth, now you know. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, 
and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA. Powered by Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, including Cenex Roadmaster XL, Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster as well. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. And joining us now here on AOA, pleased to have with us Brian Prest. He is a grower. He is in Illinois and uh, just uh, in the southern part of Illinois. Joining us today to talk a little bit about harvest and also talk about Trivolt from Bayer. And uh, Brian, first off, thanks for joining us. I understand you are uh, in the combine seat right now. So uh, multitasking a little bit here today, but thanks for joining us on the program. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So first off, since you're in the uh, combine seat, let's talk harvest. How have things been so far? I know you guys are racing to get done uh, ahead of rain and more. Uh, just tell me a little bit about your operation and, and how things have been here this fall harvest season. Yeah, well, I'm in a combine right now. We're harvesting corn, and it's been surprisingly better than we anticipated. We had about seven or eight weeks of no rain late May, you know, into June, all through June, and we thought it was going to be pretty tough, but surprisingly, uh, crops are a lot better than anticipated. Our corn's even, I bet, 50 bushel an acre better than we thought, and the beans are probably 20. So that's a good problem to have right now with the uh, commodity prices uh, keep creeping lower. Yeah. So we need the bushel to help make ends meet. I couldn't agree uh, with you more on that. Uh, it's it's tough out there with the way commodity prices have been moving lower. Um so good to hear that bushels are, are better than expected. Yeah, four dollar fuel isn't helping anything either. No, you got, you know, we're right, we run three semis and you got two grain carts and two combines, so we're uh, burning a lot of fuel every day. Definitely. How about how was disease or pest pressure this growing season? Did you have many challenges you had to kind of combat out there in your fields? Not too bad this year. Our corn didn't really get much disease in it at all. I mean, we spray. Uh, fungicides and everything to protect it but we were fortunate there our southern rust didn't really creep in on us so and we don't have tar spot yet here so we were uh, very fortunate in that respect well that's a good thing to hear well and thinking about uh, you know diseases and pests and much more let's talk a little bit about trivolt from bayer i know that's their newest pre-emergent corn herbicide talk about your experience uh, using Trivolt and, and products from Bayer. Just give us your thoughts and perspective on this. Well, it all started last year. The product came out and we wanted to get a look at it. 
So we used it on a small amount of acres on our farm last year. And uh, we had very good success with it. Was happy with what we saw. So this year, we thought we'd put it on a little broader scale. So we applied it on a thousand acres of corn. And to get a little better look at it, really put it to the test. And as I said, I'm in the combine seat right now. I'm shelling corn, looking between the rows right now, and I'm very happy with what I see with the product. And I like the product because, number one, it's a low use rate. You know, we ran, uh, sprayed it right behind the planter, 20 ounces an acre, then added a little atrazine to it to give us our fourth mode of action, because Tribolt has three modes of action. And I like that we don't have to carry all that product on our nurse trailers and extra shuttles and pumps to deal with. So it makes us more efficient throughout the day, I think, because uh, I could spray probably another 60, 80 acres a day just because of mixing times. You know, it cuts my mixing time down. So I'm really happy with it so far. It's worked well on our farm, and, uh, you know, that's my opinion. Well, and you alluded to this earlier. I mean, with the cost of fuel and the cost of inputs and commodity prices lower, finding products that – give you on your operation the best return on investment is so, so key exactly. right now, isn't it, Brian? Oh, that's absolutely right. Where we use this Tribold as a one-pass program, where previous years we have run two-pass programs uh, with sprayer and corn, and, you know, that's more labor-intensive and uh, burning extra fuel. And so hopefully we can save on uh, time and fuel by using this product on our corn with the one pass program. And again, like you mentioned, you know, very easy to use and, and a lot easier cutting down on those mixing times. So great thoughts on Trivolt. Uh, Brian, before we let you go, anything final you, you would mention either about Trivolt or just about how things have been here uh, this growing season? Anything else you'd want to add? Well, I'm actually participating in the chat GTG grower to grower bear as giving me a cell phone for their hotline that other growers could call in and talk to growers like myself or other ones out there that have a phone on the GTG and get our personal opinions of what we saw with the product and the fields. That way, it's nice to talk to other growers throughout the country and uh, several other states have been calling me and see what their problems are, what weeds they're combating, and they can ask my opinions of how tribal works on our farm. And it's probably more truthful coming from a farmer. I'm not a retailer trying to sell a product. I'm mm -hmm. just another just another farmer telling them my opinions of how it works and what I saw and what we like about it. To your point about the uh, chat GTD, GTG, I, I know that's going on here this week. Folks can uh, learn more about that, find the phone number to call, and maybe you'll be able to have a conversation with Brian. Uh, just go to the website, trivoltinaction.com. That's trivoltinaction.com to learn more about this. And, uh, Brian, we really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on the program today. We'll let you get back to uh, corn harvest, and we uh, wish you well, and we'll talk to you again hopefully in the future. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Once again, Illinois farmer Brian Prest joining us here today on AOA. Appreciate his time with us here on the show. And uh, we're about out of time here on today's program. Coming up on tomorrow's AOA, we are going to have another harvest update. We're going to have a conversation with 
Iowa farmer, young farmer, Grant Hilbert will join us on Tuesday's AOA. Also, uh, we'll keep you up to date on what's happening in the commodity markets and more here as we are working into uh, the month of November, as we're getting ready to turn the calendar over to the month of November. Will the volatility be sticking around? We're going to talk about that coming up here on tomorrow's show as well and much more. So definitely a lot to look forward to here on AOA, powered by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Find your nearest location and much more online at Cenex.com. Thank you for joining us, as always, here on AOA Agriculture of America. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargardt disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Great vision doesn't require great sight. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Make your impact today. Donate now at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness.